Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Nancy Balbirer is the author of Almost Romance, a memoir. Nancy wrote and performed the critically acclaimed solo show, I Slept with Jack Kerouac, reoccurred on both Remote Control and Seinfeld, and annually stars as a rotating bevy of floozies in Charles Bush's cult classic, Times Square Angel. She is the author of the memoirs, Take Your Shirt Off and Cry, and A Marriage in Dog Years. She lives in Los Angeles with her family. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Almost Romance, a memoir. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's great to be here and great to meet you, Zibby. It's great to meet you too. Okay, tell listeners what your memoir is about. Okay. Almost Romance is a memoir which tells the story of the 32-year almost romance I shared with one of my dearest friends and how we were able to turn it into a real romance with the help of the Grace and Frankie Writers Room and the denizens of a fabled but cursed Manhattan apartment building. (laughs) It's a real life 
romantic comedy. Love it. So back up, and I want you to talk about like how you even got here because your acting and all that career started early. And I saw on Instagram your little clip, which is so funny of you like kissing. And anyway, so go back and talk about how you got into like where did you grow up? How did you get into acting and writing? And just like take me from the beginning because the memoir, of course, is like the towards the second half more. But. Well, it's it, it actually, yes, but it does traverse 32 years. Yes, right. You do get a little hit of the acting career as well, because yes. that's how I, that's how Howie, my right. romantic hero and I met. We yep. met it at NYU Tisch Drama School. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut and uh, I was born in New York, grew up in a small town in Connecticut. And I acted from the time I was a child as a child performer and went at 17 back into New York to go to NYU, which is where, I'm. as I said, I met Howie. And I fully, I was an actress and I, I did television, I did stage, did a little film. And what happened was, and I thought that this was it. I mean, this was my career, it was my love, it was my passion. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And then one day I went into an audition for a project called the Untitled Luke Perry Project. And for some reason, despite the title, I was stunned to see Luke Perry sitting behind the audition table, that like flash dancey audition table. <laughs> and despite the fact that I've been with, with very other, much even more starry people in other rooms, this rattled me because I, I don't know, I just had an off day. And the feedback that my manager or agent gave me at the time was that I had bored Luke Perry. And this, this made her drop me. Yes. And I was 31 years old or something like that, knocking around Hollywood and newly married in my first marriage. And I did not know what I was going to do. And at that time, it, there was no cute things like YouTube or, you know, Instagram where you could just put yourself out there as, as the kids do now. So the only thing that you could do to procure other representation was to get into a show. So I had to write myself a show, which was called I Slept with Jack Kerouac, which was about a jazz musician. This was a true story. A jazz musician I had dated and fallen madly in love with and who dumped me because he said he was the reincarnation of Jack Kerouac and as such couldn't be in a committed relationship. I know I, I have a talent for, for getting <laughs> pretentious dudes. Anyway, so I, I wrote this play and it was, it was, it was true. It was a solo show and I performed it. And what happened in the process was it, it, it was a success, but I fell in love surprisingly, at least to me, <laughs> with writing. And it began my writing career. And as my writing career started to become more fulsome, I had less and less interest in the acting part. When I, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I realized because I had all this time to kind of just reflect. And at that time I was just doing voiceover work because I was heavily pregnant. I realized that the truth of it was that my favorite, when I got very, very honest and quiet with myself, that my favorite part of acting was the storytelling part, was being a part of the story and certainly the connection with the audience. 
And after that, I, I just couldn't imagine going back to, to acting, not in the way that I had been doing it. You know, acting the day-to-day of being an actress is not actually acting. You're, you know, going around from audition to audition saying, pick me, <laughs> like me, you know, whereas writing even if you don't have a publishing contract, you can be writing, Mm -hmm. you can be, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be trying to achieve that. And it just really, when I started doing it, it was just so clearly the right fit, the right relationship for me, my relationship to that career, you know? So I think a lot of, a lot of the themes in my life are about finding the right fit for myself. And sometimes that doesn't happen in the 30 under 30 category, you know? So Yes, it's hard because when you're under 30, you're still changing. So whatever fits, right? It's like, it might not continue to fit if, if you're still morphing yeah. yourself, so. Yes, and then there's also the attendant pressure that comes with that. It's like, oh, well, I've set myself up for this thing. I, I, I must stay in this thing, you know, if you, if you achieve something in it. Um, you know, it, it, it's part of our culture a little bit. Mar- Americans really want you to have an idea of who you are and you stick with that thing, you know, like you go to one college and you have Mm -hmm. to know what your major is and it's all very linear. And I just don't know that it's always linear for everybody. Definitely wasn't linear for me. (laughs) No, it wasn't. You're a perfect example. (laughs) Linear is overrated. Who needs it? (laughs) It's, it's, no, I believe in serpentine, circuitous. Yeah. Why not? What, what's that song? Like, God bless the winding road that led me straight to you or whatever. Can yeah, apply yeah. to the long and winding road. Beatles. Yeah. yeah, that too. Yes, of course. Okay. So tell me then about your first two books, which look so good. And now I have to go back and read this. My first book, Take Your Shirt Off and Cry, is actually a chronicle, a memoir chronicle of my acting career and what I learned being in the blistering trenches of show business as a near fame performer, but not a famous performer. And really, it's also very much a deep dive and exploration of what it is to be a woman actor. And this is years before, it was very avant-garde for the time, (laughs) pre-Me Too, pre-Harvey Weinstein revelations, pre-all of that. But I certainly had some, some stories in there. And again, every, my, my sort of take on things is, is humor, largely, but it's not all humor. It's not like I'm a stand-up, so it's just all that kind of funny, all-the-time stuff. It's, it's got some gravitas to it. So that's what that book's about. And then A Marriage in Dog Years is a memoir of the year I tried to save my dog and my first marriage. And it goes from one Independence Day to the next. My dog was dying, but I didn't know it at the time. And my marriage was dying. And I also didn't know that at the time. And they were very deeply intertwined because we'd gotten the dog as a sort of marital wedding gift to each other. You know, so many couples do that when they get married, not necessarily ready for the baby yet, but let's do something that needs our taking care of. And so that's what that's about. And it's a, 
It's an exploration of, of loss and grief, but most significantly, it's about surrender and how I'd always believed that surrender was giving up, you know, when there is letting go, but there's a great deal of wisdom and strength in doing so. And I had to go through a lot to learn that. And yeah, <laughs> so that's what okay. that's about. And then for this memoir, when did you know that you had to write about this? Or did you kind of know in the back of your head, starting at the very first meeting that you write in the in the scene where you're like, but I feel that way too. So when did you know it was a book? I had an inkling when we got married. The New York Times did one of their, their vows columns and that comes out in the style section on Sundays. And we got this super intense response to it from people we knew, but also from people that we didn't. And in fact, the first time I ever met Jane Fonda was at the season two Grace and Frankie premiere party. And when my husband introduced me to her, she said, oh my God, I just read the vows column. And she was in one hand, she was holding her Caton de Tulier dog. And in the other, a rolled up copy of the vows. And she was like, I had to bring it to, to Lily because it made me cry. <laughs> I was like, what? This is the first thing that you're saying when I meet you. I mean, it was insane. So I thought, wow, you know, people kept saying, well, I really love this story. And I thought, it's so nice, but it's so not the whole story because how could you get the whole story into a column? There's all this, the nuance and the back and forth of it all. So cut to a couple of years later, A Marriage and Dog Years had just come out and Carmen Johnson, my editor, and I were sitting down to lunch at the Breslin Bar and over some very delicious Caesar salads because they are truly sublime there. She said, what do you want to do next? And I said, well, I was thinking that, remember the, the story in that vows column? And she said, yeah. And I said, I think that can make for a very interesting memoir because it's actually a, a super happy story, but there's a lot of back and forth in it and, and certainly painful times, but it's, it's by and large a very uplifting, hopeful, joyous story and not typical romantic comedy because it deals with people who are pushing 50 or have just crossed over the line 50, you know? So she said, you know, listen, I love that story, but what makes it a book and not a column? And so totally extemporaneously, because she asked me that question and I had to answer it, <laughs> I had to answer it for myself as well. And right there in the Breslin, I just was able to pitch it out to her. I saw it completely. I saw that it was in three parts. I saw that it started with this email that, that I wrote to him, that that would be the prelude. I knew exactly what the first line would be sitting in that, sitting in the Russian samovar. It was just so clear to me. And at the end of it, she said, yeah, it's a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then, of course, I had to go write it. So uh, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But that's that's how I wow. I knew. And as we talked about before, Carmen Johnson is also my editor at Little A for my memoir. And I am just over the moon, like just could not say enough nice things about her. She's so great. Oh, she, she is so wonderful. And like the whole process, having been through it with a different company and going through now two books with Little A, 
it is night and day in the way they do things, the model of it all. It is, you are so much more empowered and you, you just, I'm really happy for you because they're, they're fantastic, especially Carmen. Amazing. Okay. So then you went and wrote it. So tell me what, what was that like? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> well, the book was mostly written during the very darkest days of, <laughs> of the pandemic the beginning of the lockdown. And you know, writing is always navigating the challenges of, of, particularly if you're a mom and a wife and you've just got other things going on. It's always hard to navigate all the things that you have, all the things you're juggling. And then when you add into that mix, the fact that your writing space is now being taken over by Zoom High School and by husband's Zoom writer's room. And comedy writers are loud people. <laughs> so, so, and then, and then the dog barking at the extra Amazon deliveries. It made for a soup that was really, really thick <laughs> and not, not the easiest. And then you compound all of that with the, the ADD of it all, the you know, what's going to happen today and just being completely freaked out and, and, and afraid about, you know, all of the things that were going on, the civil unrest, the pandemic, the political unrest, all of it made for something that was really hard to do. But when I finally was able to actually bring my attention to this time that I'm writing about, the present day of the, the time that's the present day in the book. And I was able to be once again with Howie in that glorious moment when we realized, oh my God, it's always been you. Or when I was able to swim in the pool of the past with my extraordinary neighbors at London Terrace Gardens and be with them again, 
or my delightful daughter, Boo Boo Bear, when she was the adorable eight and nine-year-old that she is in the story, I found that it was such a tremendous escape for me to be able to be there, that it became this joy to write it, to tell this story to other people who might need hope or an escape. Yes. Anything that can get you through all of that is... (laughs) (laughs) I love that you just described it as a thick soup to get through. That's like, I love that visual. Yeah. Like a, I think I've heard, I've called it like a slog. I, I'm more like in like a tough mutter competition, you know, where you're like, you're on your, like you're going through sludge, but like yes. a nice bowl of soup. That sounds much better. So I'm going to well, go Well, there's so that. many ingredients and it's like, everything's been dumped into it. It's like how to parse this. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that's making it making it difficult? I mean, I'd have these Zoom therapy sessions and, you know, be going through with my strength, like, how can, what am I doing? You know, I have to, I have to concentrate. I have to focus. And so I was, you know, I had to get a delay. I had to get an extension. But, you know, the slowdown of that also, the slowdown of life and the slowdown, I think, really gave me something that I actually needed in my creative process. I, I think what comes also from acting for me is this need to be liked and to be a good girl and get everything right. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily, necessarily serve your work or the project. You know, I needed to take a little bit more time and that was okay, actually. It was fine. That's good. So this feels very cinematic, Nancy Myers movie-esque. Is there news of a adaptation yet? Are you working on that or? We are working on that. And I say we, because this is a project that my husband and I are very excited to adapt together. And we've already started that process. So we will see. It was, there was this new newsletter that's part of the Ankler and it's called The Optionist. And it was just selected for that just a couple of days before it was published. It just came out two days ago. And a couple of days before that, he selected it as a book that he's, he said, he said, Meryl, call your agents. (laughs) (laughs) Really so great. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, I have to start following that. The optionist. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's brand new and it's super cool. Oh, okay. Done. Yeah. I'm always interested in what's going on. I feel like some, not that I'm always the best judge, but I don't know, some books, I'm just like, I have to be with this, these characters again in another way, you know, they're just calling out for more airtime or brain time or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I have been hearing that from a lot of readers DMing me that like saying, you know, (laughs) saying that they, they just can't seem to let go of these people. It's such an extraordinary feeling because, you know, I, I have this thing where I feel I always, the reader is very present Again, that's, that might come from the theater, but there isn't a word in anything I write, but especially this book that hasn't been read aloud by mm-hmm. me. Like everything is read aloud because I want the reader to feel like we're together and I'm we're friends and I'm telling you this story that you're kind of not going to believe, but here it is. Well, that's the best way to experience it. I mean... Some, I mean, obviously there are different types of books and some are there for the form and function, 
But to just get a good story, that's really what people, everybody's dying for a good story. They want to escape, you know, like you writing into your, people just need that, especially now. So when you have a good one, you have to do it, (laughs) which is awesome. I also think that there's a real lack of narratives about women of a certain age or couples of a certain age. And this is, I don't, I feel like there's a huge spotlight on this empty stage area if you will, where people should be standing and we're just like, where are the characters? Like what's going on? Because so many people are going through so much stuff that is not being written about or thought about so much divorce, so much, so many people meeting up again later. There's so much opportunity. I think that people are able to see themselves in your writing and feel very understood and validated that they aren't getting from other places. Absolutely. I mean, this is a huge, there's a huge void Mm -hmm. in where are the women who are approaching 50? Because they, you know, and this is why in Just Like That, you know, there are some, but very, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a very small amount and Mm -hmm. we need to see more representation of this. You know, people, as I believed that love was a parade that had passed me by. And I was not, I wasn't mad at that. I was like, okay, you know, I had, I had that in my life. I've been through the mill love and relationship wise. And, you know, I had a very full life. I was a a single mother. I had a career. I had wonderful, a wonderful community, but it's all very nice, but not very good. And you, I think that people really need to know about their potential, their tremendous potential for love and for joy and how that goes on past whatever expiration date you believe in. We have all these, the the, uh, messaging is all about age defying. It's like, what about age embracing? Mm -hmm. What about, you know, being a person who, whose most, whose sexiest decade is yet to come, Mm -hmm. you know, or most fulfilling decade is yet to come, you know? And I think especially women, especially women need to hear that and to know that that is true. And yeah, if I, and if I can be a part of, of, of shedding light on that or or pulling the curtain back on that, I couldn't be more psyched. I couldn't agree more. That's amazing. So what, what is next? Are you going to do another memoir? What do you, what are you thinking? Aside from the adaptation? Uh, Yeah, I always, I gravitate toward memoir. I do, but I have some ideas for fiction and it's not, you know, I see these things as, as very, you, you, you employ the same tools, toolbox techniques as a a memoirist, as you do a fiction writer and vice versa. People in in fiction. I mean, my husband uses things I say all the time (laughs) on his shows, you know, so uh, but I have some ideas of of things that have been occurring to me lately that I that I need to explore. So I think there might be a novel or some short stories. I'm also obsessed with short story and would like to explore some of that as well. That sounds amazing. Love it. What advice would you give for an aspiring writer? Never give up. Never give up. And, you know, something that I have to do, this is three books later, I still am afraid somebody's going to find out I didn't go to school for writing <laughs> or say, oh, she's just a dumb actress. How could she write something? You know, so I have to trick myself 
And this is what everybody should do if they think, uh, if they're if they're plagued with performance anxiety around writing or feeling like, you know, um, too self-critical. I do a thing when I'm beginning any project, including this book, where I begin in the notes app on my phone or laptop. And I write there because the critics, the inner critics can't find me. And so I write there for a long time until I have enough that I can cut and paste it into a Word document and I know that I'm off to the races. Do whatever you need to do to trick yourself into, I'm not writing, I'm just jotting, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. (laughs) Dictate Dictate it to yourself, whatever it is, just don't give up. When you have a story to tell, you must tell it. Love that. Amazing advice. I've been using more Google Docs, to be honest with you. For, oh. Yeah. I don't know. It's something new. I feel like the time it takes for Word to open on my computer, I'm like, <laughs> I should just do something else. <laughs> and That's somehow, a- I, it's just like, it's easier for me to get into a, to a Google Doc. I don't know. So now I have my kids doing like their own little stories and their own little Google Docs. And then we like oh. sit around and I'll write onto our Google Docs. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. I love that. Oh, well, okay. Now you've given me something. I have to try that. I have to try yeah, Google. Yeah. Because yeah. then it's any computer and it's, you can always find it. And I mean, I guess, never mind. This is a silly conversation, but I don't know. I really <laughs> liked it. Psychologically, I don't know why it makes me well, like, feel like it's less of a big deal or something. It, that's the thing, though. It's whatever you have to do, it's whatever it takes to get you through the writing day. You know, <laughs> you, you, just, you just have to get it down. And, and it's none of your business to judge it. Just get it down. Yeah. Just get it down. Easier said than done, but (laughs) I'm glad you got it done. And thank you for coming on to talk about almost romance. Where can everybody find you? I'm very easy to reach on Instagram at Nancy Belvere. Also on my website, nancybelvere.com. I answer everything. I, I, I mean, I do it right away. If I'm, if I'm super slammed, but I answer everything and I love it. I've been getting so many fantastic messages and so much love. And I cannot tell you how much I love my readers. They're just, it just gives me so much joy to know that things are resonating, that, that I'm making connections. It's, it's everything. Oh, that's amazing. Amazing. It's all worth it. <laughs> it's all worth it's it. All worth it. All the all the pulling the hair out, <laughs> the hiding from the inner critics. They can't find me. <laughs> it's well, all worth it. One of these days, I hope that you and Carmen and I can go out to lunch or something and to the monk to the monkey bar, or the Breslin bar. That's our places. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks so much, Nancy. It was so great to get to know you a little bit today, and so great. Thank you. So thank you so much, Sivi. Thanks so much. Of course. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 